those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Holden. Uh, I am on staff here at Regen as a ministry resident where I oversee the hospitality team as well as one of the adult leaders uh, for our youth group that meets on Tuesday night. Uh, unashamed plug for our youth group because we want more people there. Um, <clears throat> so this week I'm going to be talking about wisdom and what it looks like to seek godly wisdom. And when I think about wisdom, uh, I think about people like Albus Dumbledore. I think about Gandalf the Grey, or even Gandalf the White, or uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And these three people, they all have something in common with each other. They all have really great beards, which I've been working on myself for a few years now. Um, But when it comes to wisdom... We all have an idea of what it looks like. And today I'm going to be uh, talking to you guys out of James uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. As I was thinking about wisdom this week, um, I was thinking about how I really liked riding a bike when I was younger. Okay, I loved riding a bike. Today I don't do it because it's a little too much exercise for me, but... It used to be really fun. And when I grew up, uh, I learned to ride a bike in the apartment building of the house that we, the apartment that we lived in, uh, in the hallway in Cincinnati, because, you know, there's not a whole lot of area to learn to ride a bike in a city. And my bike, which I I confess that I felt pretty skilled at the time, because my bike only had one training wheel. So, like, I learned to ride lopsided. And it was just, it was a whole new experience, and it's what caused my first crash into a bush where I got stung in the eye. Sorry, I keep running into this. Um, (laughs) But I loved riding bikes. When, as I got older and we moved up here, I used to ride bikes with my cousin all the time out in the middle of nowhere in Green, um, which is north of us, um, with my cousins, you know, back roads, dirt roads, you just kind of hop on your bike, you went on your way, did whatever you wanted, nobody cared or said anything, you came home again when it was dark out and you couldn't see anymore until we figured out to tape flashlights onto the front of the bike. That was a whole revolution. But one of the days while we were out riding, my brother comes up to me and he's like, Holden, I want you to teach me to ride a bike. And I'm like, great, now we can just not leave you behind all the time because you can't ride a bike. I'm like, all right, I'll teach you how to ride a bike. So he gets up, I put him on the bike, and I'm like, okay, so this is, how, this is what you do. You have to balance yourself. You have to push the pedals around really fast so that you don't fall. You don't lean one way. You don't lean the other too much because then you'll fall and wreck. He's like, okay. So he gets on the bike. I grab the back of the seat just like my dad did, and I pushed him. And my brother fell over, scraped his elbow, and then was like, never mind, I don't want to learn to ride a bike. And if my brother ever sees this video, he's going to kill me for this, but he is 25 and to this day cannot ride a bike. Love you, bro. <laughs> as, I was, as I was thinking about wisdom this week, this story came to my head because I was thinking, what would have happened if my brother had asked my dad to teach us, teach him to ride a bike? Would my brother had scraped his elbows? 
would he have learned how to ride a bike by the time he was 25? See, I wonder what would happen if he would have asked someone who was a better teacher, someone who was more experienced. And as I thought about this, I recognized that my brother was seeking wisdom from the wrong source. Oftentimes we begin seeking wisdom from the wrong source. I know I do it a lot. Our reading today is going to be in James 1, and it's going to talk about how we seek wisdom from God. So if you would, please open your Bibles to James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. <clears throat> so the book of James is a, a general epistle. Um, this book, it's a letter that was written to the churches that didn't really have a specific congregation in mind. Now the author is James, uh, believed to be James, the brother of Jesus. And James's epistle is filled with practical theology. His letter gives us ways in which we can apply Scripture to our lives. And that's what he does here in this passage. In verses 5 through 8, James tells us how, as Christians, we are called, we are commanded to seek godly wisdom. We're commanded to seek godly wisdom in times of struggles, in times of lacking. And there are three questions I saw answered in this passage. When do we ask God for wisdom? Why do we ask God? And how do we ask God? See, sometimes it's hard to figure out when we should ask for something, uh, whether it's help, advice, or knowledge. And the crazy thing is, is James tells us exactly when we should be seeking out godly wisdom. And in verse 5, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. In the ESV translation, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom. So when is the appropriate time to ask God for wisdom? It's any time that you're lacking in wisdom. It's not if you're lacking in wisdom, it's when you're lacking in wisdom. Because at one point or another, we will be lacking that wisdom to handle a situation. And it's not just for the big moments. We absolutely need to seek wisdom during big moments in our lives, but it's for the day-to-day aspects as well. One of my favorite uh, examples of seeking godly wisdom is in 1 Kings 3, 7 through 9. It's King Solomon. It reads, Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around, and here I am in the midst of your chosen people. A nation so great and numerous, they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? See, at this point in Solomon's life, he's been made king. 
He's ruling over the people of Israel. He's making alliances. He's building the temple. And he was following all of the same commands that God had laid out for King David. During Solomon's reign, he was at Gibeon sacrificing to God, and God appeared before Solomon and told him to ask for whatever it is that he wanted of God. Now, Solomon could have asked for wealth, for fame, for glory, anything he wanted. Yet, Scripture says that Solomon recognized that he did not know how to be king to the nation of Israel. He asked for God to give him an understanding mind to govern God's people. He asked for him to give him the ability to discern good from evil, to discern uh, wrong from right. He had asked for wisdom. Solomon did not know how to handle the situation he was in. He was made king, given the responsibility to lead Israel towards God, and he didn't know how to do it. He was not sure, and his response to this lack of wisdom was to seek out godly wisdom instead, instead of relying on the worldly wisdom of the advisors around him, the people around him, the knowledge of those who he had surrounded himself with. Just like Solomon, you know, we too need to learn to recognize the times that we are lacking in wisdom to recognize the moments where we don't know how to handle a situation that would bring glory to God. And so we need to seek after that wisdom. We need to ask God um, for that. But how do we do it? Well, as I read through, uh, read through this, I figured out that we need to choose godly wisdom because God is generous and gives good gifts. See, James says that we are meant to ask God for wisdom. Uh, the last half of verse 5 says, Let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. See, at one point or another, and I'm sure each of us had had a moment like this before, where we wanted to ask a question but decided not to. Not because we felt too embarrassed, we decided not to, because we felt too embarrassed or ashamed that we didn't know the answer. I can't count the number of times that's happened to me at work when I just didn't know what to do on a car. Well, I should have known where the oil filter was at, but to be honest, some Fords, they like to just put it in random places. (laughs) Here's the encouraging thing, though. See, God gives generously to all without finding fault. See, verse 17 of the same chapter says that all good gifts are given from God and that he does not change. We ask God for wisdom because he's not going to mock us for asking. He's not going to judge us for asking for wisdom. There's no need to feel embarrassed or ashamed for asking for wisdom from God. Because God wants to give us wisdom. See, 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. 
And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. See, we can be confident that when we ask for something that pleases God, that he will give it to us. And this echoes what James is saying with let him ask and it will be given. It's important to understand that this part makes me laugh because somebody pointed out that it rhymes and they're like, you've got a rap in the middle of your sermon. And I'm like, what? It's important to understand that God is not a genie. I can't just say, dear Jesus, I need a Lamborghini. <laughs> he could do that. Like, if he wanted to, just poof, there, there's a brand new car that I can drive around. But God gives to us for whatever we ask for according to his will, according to what pleases him. However, when he does give us a gift, he does so generously. James tells us that, and going back to King Solomon, we can see how generous God was with him. In 1 Kings 3, 10 through 14, it says, The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, Because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. We see God giving generously to King Solomon because God was pleased with, pleased with what Solomon had asked for. God still gives good gifts today. He still gives generously. It's just not always in the way that we think. Not always in the way that we hope. How do we seek after God and his gift of wisdom? Well, when I was first reading through this and I saw this, I was like, oh, it's simple. We ask for it. We just ask God for wisdom. But within verses 6 through 8, James gives us a little bit of a caveat as to how we have to ask for wisdom. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. See, when we go to God seeking his wisdom, we must do so full of faith in God. We cannot be half in, unsure about whether or not God can or will do what he has promised to do. We must fully trust in God and his and his promises, despite what the circumstances look like. If we look at Peter and Matthew 14, the, uh, the disciples are out on a boat, and they're out on the water, and a storm hits, and Jesus is walking out to the disciples, and they're, they're afraid. 
And Peter calls out to Jesus and says, tell me to walk out to you. And so Jesus calls Peter out of the boat, and Peter steps over the side and starts walking on the water towards Jesus. He wants to chase after Jesus. And as Peter walks out there, Peter looks to the left and he sees these waves crashing over the water. He looks to the right and he sees how strong the wind is. And he begins to sink. He's afraid. And Jesus says to him, why did you doubt me? See, Peter was of, Peter was of two minds. He wanted to go to Jesus. He wanted to embrace who Jesus was. He wanted to follow after Jesus. But Peter also saw the world. He saw the circumstances that he was in, and he was unsure if he had made the right decision to walk off the boat at that moment. Peter doubted at that moment and began to sink. We often are like Peter. I know I'm often like Peter. Uh, I've often said to myself, well, I'm going to ask God for wisdom. I'm going to ask God for Uh, a way to handle this situation. But just in case God decides not to answer it, here's my backup plan. We leave space, we create a space for ourselves to rely on the worldly wisdom instead of a godly wisdom by being fully committed to and resting in God's wisdom. Now, how can we be full of faith? Well, we have to know what doubt is in order to avoid it, avoid it. See, doubt is not unbelief. Rather, doubt is wavering between two things. Uh, I read a book once, and the author, he described doubt as a hitchhiker who's standing on the side of the road with his left hand up, thumbing towards the north, but also standing there with his right hand up, thumbing towards the south. He didn't know which way to go. He didn't know which direction he needed to head next. Doubt is being undecided, unsure that we are choosing correctly. And when we go to God asking for wisdom, we are to be full of faith in God and his ability to give. Sometimes, though, we can't help but doubt. Part of being human. It happens. I've experienced this, and I'm sure others have as well. And there are some ways in which we can overcome doubt. The first way that we can overcome doubt is through our belief that God exists and that he rewards those that seek after him. See, there is something about human nature that just loves good rewards. We love receiving rewards for our actions. We should not go to God just because he gives rewards. Rather, it's just an added bonus but that's what we do. See, Hebrews 11 tells us that it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Part of being full of faith is believing that God exists and that he will, uh, that he rewards those who seek after him. It's an unwavering belief. The second way we can overcome doubt is through prayer. Now, I know as soon as I said that, um, some of us just kind of threw up a wall 
or tuned out for a second because the idea of somebody telling you pray more, pray more and everything will work out, pray more and it'll be good. It's a, it just throws you off. I know it does for me. I've heard that phrase for years and sometimes it doesn't matter how hard I pray, it doesn't seem to work out. But the importance of prayer cannot be said enough. It's one of the most important things that we can learn to do and do well. See, it gives us a connection with God that helps fill our souls with peace and encouragement. In Mark 9, we see a father coming to the disciples for the healing of his son. When they could not heal him, uh, when they could not heal the son, they bring the father and the son before Jesus. And the father asked Jesus, heal him if you can. And Jesus says, anything is possible if a person believes. And the father's response is to cry out, I believe, help my unbelief. See, we see this idea of doubt again. This wavering between two beliefs. This father wants to believe that Jesus can heal his son, but he also sees the realities of the world that we live in. And so his response to this is to cry out, to cry out to God, to cry out to Jesus saying, I believe, help my unbelief. We too can go before God and say, God, I believe in you. I believe that you exist. Help my unbelief. Now that we know the difference between not believing and doubt, as well as the difference between doubt and faith, how do we know what godly wisdom is? And what is worldly wisdom? See, James gives a description of both in James 3. According to James 3, 13 through 18, godly wisdom is pure, peace-loving, gentle, willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. Worldly wisdom has a shorter description, though. See, worldly wisdom is described as jealous and selfish. See, when we are seeking godly wisdom, we will learn to recognize what it is by what it entails. See, godly wisdom will never lead you to hurt someone. Worldly wisdom will tell you, do what it takes. See, I heard a story this week about someone who was hired into this company. And in the company, the store that he was hired at was doing very poorly. The employees didn't work very well. The store wasn't making money. And when this gentleman was hired on, the company told him that if you do what it takes, we will make you the store manager, take you to the top. So this guy, he started out at the very bottom, and he threw every single person under the bus, getting everybody fired for anything that was done wrong so that he can move up the ranks. See, that's worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom is doing whatever it takes to get to where you want to go. And there are times that worldly wisdom can, 
can disguise itself as godly wisdom. But it must stand up to those five things that James tells us what godly wisdom is. To truly know what godly wisdom is, it requires both prayer and discernment, which gets easier the more we seek God. As Christians, we are called to seek after God. We are called to seek after godly wisdoms in time of struggle. James lays out for us when we should seek godly wisdom, why we should choose God and his wisdom, and how we ask for it. See, we seek wisdom whenever we find ourselves lacking wisdom. We choose to seek wisdom from God because he wants to give us wisdom, and he gives it generously. We seek after wisdom full of faith, without doubting. It's also important for us to recognize godly wisdom for what it is, so that we can see through the worldly wisdom. As we live our lives, we're going to find moments where we are unsure what to do. Moments where it seems like our entire future hangs on this decision. And we're going to seek after God and his wisdom as James tells us to, as James urges us to. Or are we going to listen to the voices that surround us that don't offer up godly wisdom? Are we going to listen to our phones We're going to listen to the people who tell us to do what it takes. Or are we going to seek after God? Because God offers us a wisdom that is full of grace and full of love. And he gives it to us generously. And it comes back to one thing. Asking God for wisdom because we trust that he will give it to us. So we do this thing called response time here at Regen, and we do that because we want to hear the word and do it, um, and we want to reflect on what we've heard this morning and then respond to the Father's leading. Um, And so I just have a quick, uh, simple question for us, and that is just what is one area in your life that you are seeking wisdom in the wrong place? Um, And then when we can identify that, then we will ask the Father uh, what he would like us to do with that. So Julia is going to play for us.
Father, I am I'm thankful that the best gifts are the gifts that you want for us. And wisdom is one of those gifts. So I just ask that you would bring to our attention any area that we are seeking for wisdom in the wrong place. And we just lay that before you and ask that you would help us to change our minds, to repent of that and believe the good news that you have for us. God, would you help us to do that? Would you help us to remember in the coming weeks where our wisdom lies? It's in the name of Jesus. Amen.